This episode is brought to you by Fooley Gemstones. Yeah, it's I, a different world yeah, today. Yeah, it's a different world. It's a different world today. <laughs> There's different stylists out there today. Who don't I'm even know us, school. They the don't way. even know us. You know, it's like, who are they? <laughs> it's like, well, we started this for you youngsters. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm Carol Holton, the voice of jewellery. Welcome to If Jewels Could Talk. I'm an author and broadcaster, and the woman who initiated the role of jewellery editor at magazines like Tatler and Vogue. This is a podcast for everyone, for people who do like jewellery, for people who don't realise they like jewellery, and anyone intrigued by fascinating facts, new ideas and forgotten histories. So join me as I tell sparkly tales and meet all sorts of people, delving into four centuries of jewellery culture, and investigate what's happening now. News has come through that Hollywood writers have reached a tentative agreement with the major studios. But that doesn't mean that Hollywood will go back to work because the actors' unions are still on strike. Red carpets aren't quite red carpets when the actors aren't there and most importantly, nor are the jewels. So we thought it was a good moment in this hiatus to reflect on the red carpet and how it works. And there's no one better to talk to about this subject than the jeweller who dresses Hollywood, Martin Katz. Martin Katz, thank you for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, and uh, it's great to be back in touch with you. It's so nice to see you. For over 30 years, Martin has been the Beverly Hills jeweller and designer to the stars. Angelino magazine, just this month, named him the best fine jeweller. Earlier this year, Vogue named Nicole Kidman wearing his mogul Indian earrings and bracelets as one of the most iconic jewellery moments of all time. And he was one of the first independent jewellery houses to hit the red carpet and loan to celebrities. So we're delighted he joins us. He has bejeweled over 500 celebrities, including Sharon Stone, Salma Hayek, Sandra Bullock, Ashley Judd, Gigi Hadid, Zoe Kravitz, it goes on and on and on. And with him, I'm delighted, is the celebrity stylist Linda Medvine. Linda, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Linda navigates high concept editorial shoots as well as clients on the red carpet. So she makes her career on knowing the bodies of celebrities, how to dress them, how to make them stand out and how to get them to set themselves apart from other celebrities who also want the attention on the red carpet. So today we're kind of going to have a look, hear their insights and experience and find out how the process of celebrity dressing really happens. So Martin, I guess over the years, it's just changed hugely. I mean, when you first started, it probably was quite a sort of unknown process in a way that people didn't have that many jewelers to go to. It was probably quite a simple exercise. I mean, I guess celebrities came into the store themselves. Well, all of that is true, but... To give you a little bit more color on the background there, the red carpet had becoming more and more, they used to call it a little, it got a little grungy. And then you had producers like Alan Carr, uh, who produced uh, movies like Grease, and he wanted all his celebrities to be well-dressed. And so he made a deal with Armani and Winston, and they would outfit them. Then you had Fred Heyman, Mr. Beverly Hills, who also worked with the Academy, and he was dressing with you know his clothing many celebrities but again the jewelry was primarily winston from that deal 
a little bit of Van Cleef. Then one day, 1992, I kind of fall into something. I get a call from a, a client actress of mine who says, uh, Martin, I'm doing a film and my co-star mentioned your name and she loves your jewelry and I told her you're a friend of mine. So she asked if you'd come down to the set. So I go down to the set and I say, hi, I'm Martin Katz. And she says, hi, I'm Sharon Stone. <laughs> okay, I think I recognize you from that Schwarzenegger movie where you got shot in the head. Uh, <laughs> but okay, great. I'm thrilled you love my jewelry. So which is the movie that you go down onto the set? She was filming Sliver. So the next day, uh, my friend calls me as Martin. Great news. Sharon loved your jewelry, loved meeting you, and wants to borrow that necklace and earrings she chose for her premiere of Basic Instinct. And I said, whoa, stop right there. I thought she wanted to buy the jewelry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't own jewelry. If she loses it, breaks it, sorry, it's sorry, Martin, call your insurance company. And my friend says, but she'll be photographed everywhere. Her face will be all over the world. And I said, yes, but she's not wearing a little name tag that says jewelry, courtesy of Martin Katz. So <laughs> there's no upside for me. I'll help her look beautiful, which I'm happy to do, but there's no upside. I just take all the risks. So I'm sorry, I don't loan jewelry. Tell her when she's ready to buy something, please call me. About a half hour later, John Goldwyn, president of Paramount, calls me. He says, Martin, you got to loan Sharon this jewelry. She's going to be our biggest star we ever had. This is going to be the biggest movie we ever had. And I explained to him why it doesn't work for me. And I said, why don't you call Winston? I'm sure they'll be happy to loan her jewelry. And he said, she only wants to wear your jewelry. And I can't tell her no. So will you please do it as a favor for me? I said, well, if you're asking me for a personal favor, of course, I'll do that. And I would like to ask a personal favor in return. And God only knows how or why I thought of this. I said, is she doing magazine covers and other photographic promotions? He says, yes, of course. I said, then I'd like you to direct your team to have them use my jewelry on every photo shoot they do for all these magazines. At least I'll get a byline in the magazine. He says, done. So I lend her the jewelry, the movie comes out, it becomes the biggest smash in the world. She becomes the biggest star in the world. And the unknown Martin Katz private jeweler gets blasted worldwide. And that launched the brand. And that launched my career on the red carpet. It was shortly thereafter, for the next few years, I had everybody calling me. Even people calling, can you get a script to this particular celebrity? Can you do this? Can you get my, my dress or my handbag on somebody? It's like, this was all new to me and way over my head. I didn't really think about how big this could get. But for the next number of years, it got very big. And there were years that I had as many as 30 to 35 celebrities on any one red carpet. You're joking. I would be such a nervous wreck with so much jewelry out and was really in excess of my insurance coverage. Uh, if there was a catastrophic event, I was gonna really be in trouble. But we never fortunately had any issues. And there's so much security around the red carpet that I wasn't that concerned. But you're concerned that something could fall off, somebody could lose something. When all the children would come home the next day and I could count them, it's like, ah, they've all come home safely. This is great. <laughs> but that continued for a number of years. And then one day I'm having a dinner party at my uh, high rise penthouse where I was operating my business. And a very dear friend, a photographer that I was working with that I'm sure you know of, Farooz Sahidi, one of the preeminent photographers of our day. And he was a best friend and of uh, Elizabeth Taylor and did all her photos. And matter of fact, she brought him to Los Angeles. And he was did so many magazine covers. We had met uh, doing some Sharon Stone magazine covers. So one day I'm having this dinner party and Farouz says to me, 
by the way, can I bring a friend of mine, a, a really fabulous, talented stylist named Linda Medvin? And I said, well, of course, bring her. She's a friend of yours, happy to have her. Now, Linda and I have been reminiscing a little bit and she remembers more about the party than I do because this is probably 94, 95. And tell them what, it, <laughs> remind her what that party was like. So I walk into the penthouse with literally the most famous photographer on the planet at that time. Martin opens the door, these huge black doors, and the doors open and all I can see is this incredibly large dining room table filled with what looked like millions of dollars worth of jewelry all over the table, no security guards. And Martin says, I'm so excited you're all here for dinner. Everyone pick out whatever they want and we're gonna talk jewels. And we, I couldn't get it on fast enough. I had chains and <laughs> earrings and rings and bracelets and Firuz put a bunch of necklaces on and everybody at the party. It was the most glamorous event I'd ever been to without knowing what this was about. And all I could think of is who is this man and I need to work with him and he needs to be my friend because anyone who puts out a table like that uh, it was mind-blowing. And who cares about dinner when you've got all that on the table? Exactly. You don't need to eat. We, we were actually <laughs> trying to remember what we had for dinner. Yeah, I had no idea what you dinner was. You can't remember that. It's all a blur. <laughs> and so that's how you started working together. That was our first encounter and, and how we mm -hmm. met. And we had a ball together and we connected and we started working shortly thereafter. And to this day, we're working. I mean, she's always in here. I live here. <laughs> So actually, you owe everything to Sharon Stone being persistent. If she hadn't been persistent, that wouldn't have happened. Th that's true, but I probably really owe it to my friend Colleen Camp, who was my friend that was in the film that pushed the whole thing. That changed the course of my career because that level of publicity and validation of your work and a brand over the next 10 years really secured my place in the jewelry industry and as a designer because I was doing my own design work at that time and getting that seen worldwide and getting such name recognition, that really did change the course for me. And so you get the publicity and you have other celebrities coming in. Does it translate into other people coming to find you in Beverly Hills and buying jewelry? Unquestionably. And additional to that, I started advertising in all the national fashion magazines. So when you see the backup of editorial, pictures of celebrities in magazines wearing it, and then you see the advertisement, it just does a lot to solidify the integrity of the brand and the, um, the fortitude of the brand and that it's real and can be trusted. And that's uh, what everybody wants in a business is to be recognized as a, a trustful house and, and, and a house that does great work. And it's always been me against uh, the big houses, but uh, I've had fun at it. I, ne I never see myself as an adversary. I appreciate their work. Uh, I think they appreciate my work. And not everything is for everybody. So, so I remember when Celine Dion in about 1997 wore a big Chanel comet necklace. And Chanel at the time figured out that the subsequent publicity globally had value of $9 million. What it would cost them in ads and editor, it was the equivalent of $9 million, which is huge. If you're an international brand and you have doors around the world, those are very real and tangible numbers because you have people that can walk in in Paris and in Monte Carlo and Italy and London and Hong Kong and, and go to these shops. 
I saw this photo or I saw this comet necklace. I saw it and find it in so many places. But as a small independent just in Los Angeles, I couldn't cash in the same way because they had to have somebody either coming to Los Angeles or they had to reach out to me. And these things did happen. But the add value of all that, I couldn't even add up. Uh, there's no question. It's it's huge. And it explains why they spend so much money on it today. Did you send security guards with your pieces on the red carpet to follow along? I never had to send security with them because there was so much on the red carpet security-wise that I wasn't worried about that. Like I said, I was always more concerned. Did a earring flip off? The, did a bracelet not get clasped correctly and it fell on the red carpet somewhere and someone picks it up? I've had stories, like Minnie Driver tells me this story one year when she had a ruby bracelet with all these strands, multiple strands of rubies and a giant emerald in the middle. And apparently one of the strands caught on her armrest as she was getting up and it ripped the strand. And these small little rubies, like little pearls, went flying all over the floor at the theater. And she said she and James Cameron were on their hands and knees picking up all these rubies. And she handed them back to me in a little, little plastic bag. She says, I hope I got them all. <laughs> Those are more the, the things that we worry about than any other kind of incident. But I guess now, you know, you had the call down to the movie set. I would imagine that never happens now. Linda, I think stylists rule the roost, don't they? It's sort of all in the stylist's hands now because you decide what they wear totally. It's not up to them. I think depending on the stylist, for me as an individual, I dress the person with what I feel is best on them. My style is incredibly classic and clean and timeless. So we'll show you some photos, one of Angelina Jolie at the Oscars years ago, which looks like it could be today, you know, because Martin and I are so similar, I believe, in style. So I know that there's a lot of stylists out there that push very hard for what they want, and I push for what's right for the client. I tend to really work with my friends because I love and trust them, uh, Martin being one of them. You know, to your point, Linda, so many stylists today are trying to push the envelope, as you say, because to them, it's as if they want to make some statement that's going to be so special and get picked up so well by the press that the stylist becomes this superstar. And Linda is always the opposite. In the background, don't worry about me. I want you to look the best you can be. There have been times over the years, as you well know, people get endorsement money now. And there have been times with clients we've had that have been offered endorsement money and Linda was perfectly honest with them and said, I'm sorry, I don't like what they're offering you. What Martin has here is so much better for you and for the outfit and stay true to integrity of the right look rather than trying to make her own name for herself. I think it's important to stay with who you are and believe in who you are and go with your gut. And to Martin speaking about finance or being offered money, it's exciting, I guess. I was offered uh, many, many years ago some money to dress someone in the 90s before it really became prevalent, a thing, yeah. a thing. And I remember pulling off to the side of the road and calling my father and saying, oh my God, I have to go pick up an outfit because I was offered money. And he said, I think you should take a breath, have a water, digest what you just told me and do what's right for your client. I get that money is great and you would enjoy it, but do what's right for your client. I did pick up the outfit. 
I pulled over to the side of the road. I thought about what my father said. I returned the outfit. I never did show it to the client. And that's still who I am today. And Martin being not a Winston or I don't want to name names of jewelers, but not being, you know, a big brand, a big, huge brand has never offered money, will never offer money. And I go to Martin because I love him as a human, but I love his jewelry and it expresses something within my clients, whether it be Helen Hunt or Denzel Washington or Annette Benning or all the people that I do that are so timeless. It's, and, and they've become friends and Bette Midler and clients. So for me, it's exciting because I introduce my friend to my clients who are also my friends. And I stay true to who I am. But I guess, you know, in the old days, I know once I was in LA and, you know, had the Harry Winston people said it used to be so elegant, you know, we'd write a little note to the nominees. Would you like to come and visit? Would you like to have a little look? But I would imagine that actresses, they don't come in at all. They rely on you taking it to them, don't they? Well, it's funny you say that because Gina Davis, who's been a client of mine forever, we came running in. She was given a governor's award or some huge award. And she said, can we go see Martin? Can we please go see Martin? So they, my clients do love to come in. And Pauletta Washington came in to look for the Oscars. So yes and no. And it, Bet. And Bet. Yeah. Bet's a huge client of Martin's. I remember years ago, we did a First Wives cover Firu Zahidi shot it in Las Vegas and I came in and I was so excited and we designed the look, Martin and I, around the jewelry. So I hadn't begun shopping yet. So it was all about the jewelry. And then I went, okay, they're all naked. So I need to figure out wardrobe. And Martin for me was always so nice because I take care of his stuff. So there was never guards or security, but he did have a sales associate come to Vegas with suitcases well that particular event it, it was a it little was bit more value than i thought you should have to take responsibility <laughs> for and and so. who did we have bet midler uh diane keaton goldie hahn and these ladies literally this gal opens the jewelry trays and these ladies run from the makeup chair this is in the old days when everyone was so excited about just beautiful things and they were trying on jewelry and looking at jewelry and the whole shoot was based on you. But I was interested when you just said that you started that look around the jewelry because I wondered at what point the jewels are chosen. I mean, how is it customary? Is it usually the dress, the shoes, the jewels? Where did the jewels come in the process? I think a lot of times it's the dress and then you pick the jewels. But with Martin and my relationship, it's usually, what are you thinking? Uh, for Helen Hunt, we did something for the Oscars. She came in and said, okay, I, I just want to get an idea of some, some pieces of jewelry. So as I'm going about choosing her dress, I, I have something in mind. And so she fell in love with this Capolini necklace, diamond necklace, 11 strands up and around. It was just beautiful. With that, you chose that magnificent kind of royal blue, very simple dress. Strapless dress to just show the jewelry. We'll send you these photos. I can put them on Instagram so everybody can see. Do you like to see know what they're gonna wear, Martin? Do you just trust Linda or do you say, actually, what's she wearing? Can I just see so I can suggest what I think's right? L Linda does share with me what she's wearing because she's looking for what ideas in my jewelry 
I think could go with it. She peruses and, you know, she pulls what she thinks as well, but she doesn't know what's in my safe or, you know, is there anything else we should look at? So I need to have some sort of sense of what they're wearing. In the early days, almost even before the stylists really came into play, the public relations people were handling the styling. And that was really difficult because most of them didn't have much taste. And I can remember early <laughs> on arguing with them over the jewelry they wanted to pick for certain outfits. And it's like, no, 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 <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. But uh, eventually stylists started showing up and Linda, one of them at an opportune time, actually one of the earliest ones for me. But overall, dresses and outfits are chosen two or three or four. It, it, it kind of is frustrating of sorts where some stylists would tie up many, many dresses for their particular actress. And other stylists would be getting blocked from access to these dresses because they're on hold for this one. And that created all kinds of problems within the industry or around for fashion and some animosity uh, between the stylists. Never had that issue or heard of that with Linda. Again, another reason why we always enjoyed working together so much. But more often than not, it started with the dress, we'd work around it. Oftentimes there was a dress malfunction and something had to change. Once I was doing two or three weeks before Oscars, which is really unheard of to be ready that far in advance, I had an outfit of uh, diamonds, of blue diamonds that Selma Hayek was wearing. And we were, again, all set. And the day of the Oscars, while they were zipping her dress, the zipper blew out in the back, completely ripped. And they had an emergency costume change, which demanded an emergency jewel change. So I'm running in and getting new jewels and running up to the house and trying to outfit her with new stuff while they're literally running out the door trying to get to the Oscars. Do you ever have the situation where a couple of celebrities have set their heart on a jewel and you've got two people wanting it? Rarely because what, what we typically do with the stylist is make them have two choices because there's also the possibility that a client walks in and buys something. Of course. And the buyer gets first choice. <laughs> and also if someone, once somebody picks something and we're gonna commit it to them, I won't show it to somebody else. Have you ever made something specially? I mean, do they ever ask for something in particular? We've altered things. You know, it's a little hard to make because there's not enough time. See, if Linda came to me and say, hey, we got four months, this is coming up, designing this dress, let's design a piece of jewelry around it. Then we have time, but it takes so long to create fine stones, come up with designs, manufacture, set the stones. You can't do that in, in a couple of weeks time. No. So the most you can do is alter, make additions, hang pendants, change lengths and things like that. There were years um, that I remember two or three big brands that had jewelry on the red carpet from out of town. I didn't have local uh, stores here. Their necklaces broke or there was an issue and they would come to me and ask me to repair it for them so they could get it on the red carpet, which I was happy to do. You know, we all kind of work together out there. Do you? Because I remember I, when I did the Oscars, one at the 75th Diamond Anniversary Oscars, and it was pretty cutthroat out there with people <laughs> trying to nab celebrities and get things on people, quite competitive. That part's competitive, but I think there's still professional respect for everybody. If one mm -hmm. of them has a problem, you know, I'm gonna help. I would hope they'd help me too. But yes, it can get very competitive out there. I, you know, the, when I first realized, I was, I guess I was a bit naive. After about four or five years on the red carpet, oh, actually this was in 1996 now, I remember. I get a call from W Magazine from the writer 
And she says, do, do you know uh, why I'm calling? And I said, well, I suppose you're calling about Joel at the Oscars and uh, you want to interview me. She says, no, I was doing a story on Harry Winston jewelry at the Oscars and every celebrity I talked to was wearing your jewelry. So you're ruining my story. And I said, well, I apologize for ruining your story. She says, well, now I have to include you. I said, okay, great. And they ended up doing a four page feature on me, Winston and Van Cleef. And that was also one of those defining events for me to be placed in company of such prestigious houses that make okay. such fine jewelry. And there's me with them. And that was another one of those brand building moments. But those, and, and that attests to your point of how does this help a brand? People read that and see it worldwide. You're thought of by the company you keep, which begs another question that I always had a, a, a hard time with. I never cared for the moniker of jeweler to the stars. When I first got it, it was kind of fun for a year or two. But the more my business grew and the more effort that I put into the manufacturing of my jewelry, the fit and finish, the quality of the stones, the thought process I went to through to create something very special that was decidedly my voice in jewelry, that was recognizable, the DNA is recognizable as a Martin Katz style of, of piece of jewelry. I didn't like that moniker because I didn't want to be known every time my name was thrown out. Oh, Martin Katz, jeweler to the stars. No, 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 no. I want to be known as Martin Katz. Sorry, I think I introduced you like that. Sorry about no, that, Martin. but you know what? It, it's fine. It happens so rarely now, I don't care. But there was a time when that was a constant moniker. And where it started to bother me was, I don't want to be known for my jewelry by virtue of who my friends or my associates are. I want to be known by virtue of the quality of what I make and the integrity mm -hmm. and, and style and beauty of what I make. The fact that the stars are my clients or whatever they are as well is great. And that's a testament to the quality of the work, but anybody can be something to the stars just because you put something on them. And that in and of itself doesn't define the quality and integrity and beauty of the product. And so that's what always bothered me for the next quite a number of years. Now I'm quite over it because it's there's so many people that are to the stars that I just kind of <laughs> goes in one ear and out the other anymore because it, it's not the same. I used to, I used to have I, I wish I could find it. I got to look for it. I had dozens and dozens and dozens of thank you notes from the biggest celebrities in the world thanking me for loaning them jewelry. Today. It's just expected and, you know, entitled and, you know, it's just assumed their stylist will handle it or they'll get an, they'll get an offer from one of the houses to wear well, something. Well, that's and, the thing. When you talk about payment, it's really because they're under contract to some of them. Right. You and know, you know what? Now I, the fashion brands are in jewelry. They're under, um, they're under contract to wear their jewelry, aren't they? I, it's I, a different world yeah, today. Yeah, it's a different world. It's a different world today. <laughs> There's different stylists out there today. Who don't I'm even know us? School. By they the don't way. even know us. You know, it's like, who are they? It's like, well, we started this for you, youngsters. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm interested also in how you refer to one of the looks that you did for Angelina Jolie. That you know, she could. It was quite a while ago, but she could wear it as the, the Oscars come up now. She could wear it and look completely right, because I guess that is the goal now, isn't it? Because with social media and the internet, an image is going to stay there and be looked at forever. So you want it to be 
as classic as possible. So it's not like, oh, look at this crazy outfit that looked right then, but looks crazy now. You want it to be fairly classic. For me, that's my style. It's been my style for my entire career. And working with Martin, I believe it's Martin's style his entire career. Although Martin and I have gotten a little bit bigger with our style. So I think the stones are a little bit bigger for celebrities for the red carpet, right? It's not you started, created the micro band. Uh, you created the little earrings with the little micro band around them so that they popped. But I think getting older and staying up with fashion, I've gotten a little bit bigger in what I do. And when I pick jewels are a little bit bigger now. Is that right? Yeah, well, some of that is the older we get, the more adventuresome you may become, the more you realize yeah. where style can go and changes. I, I see it even with my own jewelry. And we can never forget that, you know, all these diamonds and stones and rings always kind of shrink the longer you get to know them. So nothing ever looks quite as big after a while. And but I yeah. guess, you know, like the 70s, that sort of defined look that now would look, oh my gosh, that's dated. They don't want their images to date, do they? So they're probably more inclined to go for a classic look. No, and I'm looking at all these, there's a bunch of images right in front of me, most of which Linda has done. And there's not a one here that I wouldn't say, that could be on the red carpet right now tomorrow, on the next red carpet. Yeah. They're all perfect. Yeah. So that must be very attractive to celebrities because that's what they want. They don't want to date. Yeah. I, yeah, um, fresh and modern. I think there's a lot of color out there right now. You know, I don't remember... Mm -hmm the start of my career, there being so much color, whether it in jewelry or clothing. But I dress now, I do a lot of campaigns for movies and stuff. And I dress, you know, because of COVID, we're trying to all be happier and live our lives a little bit better. And I see a lot more color. In Martin's window, I walked in today, and there's this beautiful color. There's emeralds and rubellites and rubies and I see a lot of color out there. I see a lot of men in color. There's a lot of pink suits out there and and green suits and I just think we're all trying to be happier and bigger and brighter in a good way. Mm -hmm. And do you, when you when you style people, do you do you have the same attitude for your male clients as your female clients? I do. I love my male because clients. The men's bridges has been incredible on the red carpet, hasn't it? Have you been putting brooches on men? I've been putting brooches on men. Uh, we did one of Martin's brooches on Sterling K. Brown. He's really fun because he can do anything and everything. Yeah, there's a lot of a little men's jewelry out mm. there, I guess. Brooches. We or do a lot of the cufflinks, cufflinks and studs, just classically yeah. speaking. But yeah, the couple of the pins. Yeah. And how do your clients come and find you? Is it word of mouth? I think it's a lot of word of mouth. I mean, Martin's gotten me clients. I, I think I get a lot of clients off photo shoots. You know, a lot of clients say, oh my God, you're so normal. So I think I'm very respectful to the people I work with. I don't ever overshadow or overlook anyone. I'm very, very involved and focused on whoever I work with. And it's never about me. It's always about them. What I noticed about um, early on about Linda is there were stylists, and, and we all know people like this, where you go, oh, no, it has to be like this. Oh, no, no, I don't like that earring at all. It doesn't work. With, and you're thinking, that earring's great with there, you know, but there is that type of stylist and those people where 
they are so sure-minded and there's no open for discussion and they can intimidate a client because they're telling them what to do and this is the only way to do. And then the, that client doesn't really necessarily get to participate in their own style. What is their own voice? Linda's not like that. She doesn't push you around. She keeps her mind open. She has absolutely clear thoughts on what she thinks works and isn't afraid to say what she thinks doesn't work. But it's never that, nope, this is the way it is. Mm -hmm. Also, I've really shut down so many of the stylists that try to come in. We, we, we kind of put out the word that we're only working with stylists and celebrities that we've had past relationships with. We really don't want anybody new anymore. But you'd have new celebrities. I, I you know, I, I, I really don't. I mean, hey, I, Martin, don't say that. Come on. If Zendaya suddenly came to you and said, I want to borrow some jewelry, I've given up with Bulgari, you'd jolly well put jewelry on her. Here, here's the trouble. We recently did take somebody new and it's a well-known actress. And we started uh, outfitting them for their basic red carpet events for a TV series they were doing or a movie they were doing and helping them in areas where we do not get a lot of press. Those aren't covered the same way as a proper red carpet is covered. Now, the next big red carpet's coming up and the stylist says to us, Emmys will be coming up and we want to start looking, but you'll have to pay for that one. And I thought, you know, I thought we were building a right relationship here. I'm helping you in all these events that nobody really wants to loan jewelry to because there's really very little to no press to get from it. And now the one thing we can get press from you want to be paid for. And I said, well, thank you. Enjoyed working with her, but no, I don't pay. So I understand if you need to go and work with a house that's going to pay you an endorsement fee. But those are the reasons that I really don't want to take new people because then they drop these bombs on you. I see. They use you. Okay. They they kind of, yeah, they use you. Definitely. And another reason that we don't work with many other stylists is it's really bad form to mix different houses of jewelry, to put yeah. a ring from this house, a necklace from that house, an earring from this house. That's not good. And many of them will do that. And so... Like fashion editors, sorry about that. That's what fashion editors <laughs> often do. You know, it's a little bit, it, it's, a, it's a little different on a fashion shoot because you're listing all the people. Yeah. Mm. There's your thing. Here's the rings from here. The earrings are from there. But that on red carpet, that's not happening. And it's too confusing for anybody writing about it to list it all. They might pick one name of that they hear. So Linda, I saw with some of the young ones you style. I mean, like Justin Bieber or people like that. Do they have the same attitude to jewelry now as some of the older celebrities? I think so. I think young people love to layer stuff. There's a big trend going on right now where it's necklace after necklace after necklace and rings. And I, I always prefer less is more. Um, but mm -hmm. Martin and I did have a lot of fun going back. And then I'll come back to this in the old days with Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio oh, <laughs> and, and Matt LeBlanc back in the old days. And I came in and Leo was, he was a pretty cool young kid on the Romeo and Juliet and the Titanic and, I said to Martin, I want to do toe rings and I want to put rings all over him because he's cool and he can handle it. And we did. It's we did not, all, the, all the micro bands. It, huh? yeah, we did yeah. all the micro bands. I mean, the kids' toes were all filled up and we really enjoyed it. And I think going to today, I think the young boys, the young men are wanting all of that stuff. You know, we see a lot of basketball players. I just worked with a few and football player, Kayvon Thibodeau. I couldn't even 
come to Martin because his medallions were like this on his chest, you know? <laughs> huge. I, when he, I, they're huge. So that is absolutely not my style. I don't even know where to go to find that stuff, maybe downtown. <laughs> I don't know. It's not in this house. Um, but I do think that the young guys are loving, you know, they want what the girls have. And our world is evolving and changing and, and we're all trying to learn and, and be able to enjoy what the boys have or what the girls have. So there is a lot of jewelry. I don't think you do a lot of men's jewelry. I don't. No, other than our cufflinks and studs. Yeah, but I think, you know, men, men's jewelry is now women's jewelry. I mean, it's all yes. the same. It's all it? the same. It's the, all the same. The clothing's all the same. The right, men the are wearing skirts. Yes, and, and the necklaces that men are wearing, the diamond Riviera necklaces yeah, and, and diamond chains. And the brooches. And, and, and I have made a couple of, of what I think are pretty good looking wrapper necklaces. Uh, I, do, I do it my way where it's... Well, and they're uh, really good quality uh, diamonds yeah, on your necklaces. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I have done a couple of those, but... For the most part, I like to work with beautiful women, beautiful clothing, great stylists, where the art of true high jewelry can come through. I've just always been so fascinated with high jewelry since I started as a vintage jewelry dealer and was selling important uh, vintage jewelry and, and and I used to get a, a have a real ball with the if I had Marie Antoinette's pearls or uh, Lady Astor's uh, uh, sapphire tiara you know it would come across great things and my designs really were based upon the influences of my love for the art deco pieces and if I couldn't find yeah. an art because I was an art principally an art deco and vintage jewelry dealer and when I would couldn't find an earring to go with a bracelet I thought if I could take the top of that earring and the bottom of that earring and put them together that's what I'm looking for okay I think I'll just make it because my client is making me crazy to get her an earring to go with the bracelet. So as I put that jewelry together, I had too much respect for vintage jewelry to make a reproduction. So I thought, okay, I have to make this so it's clearly new, clearly contemporary, but has what I would call an old soul. And mm -hmm. so it could work with the, with the old pieces. And that is how I started designing, contemporary jewelry with an old soul, but clearly new, and I thought to myself, this was early on, I thought, you know what, as a vintage jewelry dealer, I used to always try to buy the signed and numbered vintage deco pieces from Cartier, La Cloche, Van Cleef, you know, all the big houses. Because if they were signed and numbered, that's what everybody wanted to have and everybody paid a premium for. So I thought to myself, if I'm gonna start making jewelry, I'm gonna sign and number every piece. I'm gonna use the best stones I can find. I'm gonna make and manufacture them with fit and finish that are bar none exquisite and I'm going to be obsessive about the quality and maybe one day it won't be in my lifetime but maybe one day some vintage dealer will say oh it's signed Martin Katz I want it that's a good stuff I'll pay a premium for it <laughs> that was my vision 30 some years ago fortunately I'm starting to see it within my lifetime where my pieces show up at auction and they bring very good numbers. If there's particular pieces that you really love, is there a hierarchy of red carpets? So if there's one piece you really love, do you think, I'm going to save that for the Oscars? I mean, if you've got a client who's doing all the red carpets because she's got a big movie out, you'd say, okay, that's for the Emmys, that's the Golden Globes, that's the Oscars. Undoubtedly. Do you sort of portion it out? There, there's always a, a piece, a necklace, an earring, or something where if this is going out, 
it's going to go out on who we think is the right actress for it and the which red carpet we want it out on. And I'd rather it not go out at all than being seen on the wrong red carpet on the wrong person. Interesting Martin says that because there's too much saturation. You know, if you look at some of the past red carpets, there'll be 15 gowns by the same designer, which now makes it not so special. So if Martin's on one or two, a minimal amount of people, it makes it special. You know, it makes it like, how did they get that? But I see a lot of oversaturation on the carpet in the last several years. Because there's so many of them. Okay. Yeah, and there's so many of them. And the other thing, if you if you see a celebrity dressed in jewelry that looks like it's wearing them, or you wonder, why did they choose that? You can absolutely rest assured it's because <laughs> that's what they were paid to wear and they had no choice. And you can see it sometimes where things just don't look right. Which is your favorite? Which is your favorite red carpet? Well, you know, Oscar is always, you know, the top glam event. Mm -hmm. uh, I sort of feel sometimes Cannes is beginning to edge closer in terms of jewelry. They have great jewelry in Cannes. Oh, Cannes in the, in the last, in the last 10 years, magnificent what they've done with Cannes. And that, that rivals. I don't do Cannes, uh, and I, I used to loan occasionally for someone going to Cannes. But I don't do it because the logistics of getting the jewelry there, uh, who keeps charge of it when the celebrity doesn't have it, you know, the care and control of it, it it's too uh, nerve-wracking uh, to send uh, really expensive pieces over for a week and not know if they're coming back correctly or not. Uh, my insurance company wouldn't be very pleased with me if we had to keep turning in claims. <laughs> so if, if the, the people that are really mastering the uh, con red carpet have locations there where they can really control that. And it's a long fair, you know, it's like 10 days red carpet, isn't it? Whereas Oscars, you've just got one night. Is that your best one too, Linda? Do you, you build up all year to the Oscars? I think so. I think the Oscars are my favorite award show. If you get a hit from the Oscars, you know, that's your best hit, you know, your best media hit. So what are the tips? What do you think people will be wearing next year at the Oscars? I think... Since COVID, people just want to be happy and be in color and be beautiful and look like princesses and feminine. Be special. I, I think there's a lot of custom, more custom in the last couple of years. There's so many shows that it almost, you have to do custom. But I think, I think a lot of color. I think we'll see a lot of color. And Martin, what do you think? Well, the Oscar red carpet, um, diamonds are always one of the first requested. You know, the, the glamour of Oscar red carpet and diamonds, you can't go wrong. Some of the other ones at Golden Globes or Emmys, I find many of them, while we do a lot of diamond, they want to be funkier or more colorful or more playful with the jewelry and a little bit less serious. Mm. But comes to, to Oscars, they want the absolute most serious dress and the most serious jewelry. Biggest diamonds. <laughs> That's one way to set themselves apart from the next actress, isn't it? To have bigger diamonds, I guess. It's true, you know, the larger they are, they certainly the more that show up, but there's something to be said when uh, a young, a uh, 20-something or beautiful 30-year-old actress has jewels that the Queen of England should be wearing, and she's wearing them. And you go, they're really beautiful, but they kind of don't suit you, you know? And sometimes the personality of the celebrity is very important. Yeah. It's like back in the day when I 
picked jewelry for Selma Hayek, who is powerful, this big personality, and she's out there and she can own it. And we would do, you know, larger and more interesting pieces. And then Sandra Bullock was more shy and demure and soft-spoken. And we do much more subtle pieces for her because it spoke to her personality. And I never wanted the jewels to wear the person. It had to be the other way around. And and one one year, which was quite funny, when people are so consumed with what is a style or a trend? And I get a call from some uh, media who said, I noticed you dressed Sandra Bullock, but she wasn't wearing earrings, is that the new trend? To wear bracelets, necklaces, and no earrings. He caught me off guard, and I'm thinking, wow, I gave her earrings. I didn't notice that she wasn't wearing the <laughs> earrings. I'll have to call her. And so I call her, I say, Sandy, what happened with the earrings? I, I hope everything's okay. She says, oh, they were killing my ears. I had to take them off. <laughs> <laughs> so there's your trend. So Martin, what about Elizabeth Taylor, the, the queen of the red carpet? Did you ever dress her? I never dressed her, but I sold her jewelry. And that's oh, a that's that even better. Funny, that's a funny story. I had just opened our new boutique on Brighton Way. I was in the penthouse that we spoke about where I met Linda. And because of all these red carpets, I had become too well known and the business was growing too much to keep it in this apartment. So I opened the boutique on Brighton Way. I don't even know if we're open six months. And everything's fresh and new. And in walks Elizabeth Taylor with a little dog. And... My staff immediately knows I'm probably freaking out because I think the dog's going to pee on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> so I take, I go with Elizabeth in the, in the back part of the salon and the staff takes the dog. So it won't be in my mind making me worry. And Elizabeth and I start having a ball. And I assume that she came to me because Farouz must have sent her, yeah, I suppose. Sure. That's my, I don't know why else she would have come to see me. And when I start looking at jewelry, she is just as charming as can be. I'm a bit nervous. She buys something and she says to me, well, now I just need somewhere to wear it to. I say to her, well, you know, I would wear something like this to this restaurant or there. And she says, well, do you have a favorite restaurant that you would wear this to? And I said, well, my fiance and I love this restaurant. And we go there a lot. And she stops, looks right at me. And she says, fiance, can you lose the fiance? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, blah, 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 blah. I, 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 I get my wife on the phone and my wife's like, Martin, she's flirting with you. She's had many husbands. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> go with her, go with her, go with her. I said, no, I'm afraid. <laughs> But I'll never forget that. And the dog did pee on the carpet. My staff told me later. <laughs> and what did she buy? What did she buy? Uh, she bought a yellow diamond ring, as I remember. Nice. And lastly, I'd like to know what, both of you, what was your favorite red carpet look to date that you've done? It's a hard question. There's a few good ones. Obviously, the one iconic one that uh, you named with uh, Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. I remember that very well. Yeah, I did too. Working with Lorenz Scott at the time on that. Uh, may she rest in peace. That was quite an exciting one. But one of my favorite ones is with Linda, with Helen Hunt and that Capellini necklace. It just I so stood that. out. Kind of hard to remember all of them when they're not in front of you after 30 yeah. years. You know, <laughs> it's a lot of red carpets. It's a lot of red carpets. Oh, well, we look forward to more. More Martin Katz jewelry on more red carpets. So thank you very much for sharing that with us, how it works. It's fascinating to have a little behind the scenes look at the whole process and some of your reminiscences. So Thank you very much, Martin. A pleasure. And thank you, Linda. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes of If Jules Could Talk, please go to our website, carolwilton.com. Share it any way you can, and we love to have a rating and a comment, so thank you. For more information on our sponsors, that's foolygemstones.com. And please join me again in two weeks for the next Jeweled Nugget, when I will be welcoming a woman who's been a model. She's appeared in Oscar-nominated films. She is a global style icon, a musician, and one of the best-dressed women in the world. She experiments consistently with fashion and jewellery. So please join me in two weeks to find out who it is. You won't be disappointed. Goodbye. If Jewels Could Talk with Carol Walton is produced by Natasha Cowan, music and editing by Tim Thornton, graphics by Scott Bentley, illustration by Geordie Labanda. You can find our sponsors at foolygemstones.com and me at carolwalton.com. Thank you.